back, everybody. Welcome back for episode two. You're here with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by good old Ronald here in studio, who's full of jokes this evening. So please comment on uh, any posts from the Puntet and let us know if Nick's intros are very boring. But support for Rugby Puntet is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So, Ronnie, how's the week been so far? Uh, the week so far has been pretty terrible, actually. You know, we've got a day job and unfortunately have to go to it. In an ideal world, we would have seven-day weekends or five-day weekends and two days of work. But, you know, good rugby on the weekend. I must say, after the Springboks' performance over the weekend, I haven't been too interested in reading the news and, you know, watching the reviews on games. Somehow the, the Springboks just have sort of got that hold on my on my psyche and, and, and my happiness. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous that our our joy is tied to 23 guys that jam some sport on the weekend, eh? Bit of a disappointing one. We didn't get to play squash yesterday. You chickened out. Actually, load shedding saved you. So, saved by ESCOM. A lot of rain here in Pretoria too, which is a little bit of a, a downer. Adding to the mood and the, the blues that the, the Springboks left us with. It's terrible, really. It is. It's really terrible. But, I mean, look, we can't really complain because we complain when there's no rugby, so we should be grateful. So should we be grateful? Yeah, I guess we should be grateful we get to watch it on the weekends and so much international rugby. We might as well dive in then for the Autumn Nation series. Kicked off at one o'clock on Saturday. It literally was non-stop rugby. So Romania claiming a 30-23 point win over Chile. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see that game. I'm not sure if you watched it, Ronnie. Yeah, it was a lot closer than what I expected it to be. Actually, I lie. You know, I always knew Chile was going to put up a bit of a fight, especially after the fact that they qualified for the World Cup. You know, they they went ahead and pipped uh, the USA to qualify for the World Cup. The USA is still fighting, although the USA did put I don't know, like 50 or 60 points over Kenya this past weekend as well. So, uh, look, Romania, Chile, it was a good game to watch for a neutral. You know, can we, yeah, we can call, still call them minnows, I suppose. Uh, the minnow nations, some good rugby coming out of that. I think that was a, a good way to kick off the weekend. I did tune in for the next one, though. Scotland beating Fiji 28 points to 12. I think that was a win I kind of predicted, saw it going that way. But decent performance from the Scots. They're definitely going to need to lift it for the next weekend, though, when they face the All Blacks. Saw the win. I saw the win coming. I didn't see uh, I didn't see a convincing win like the one on the weekend come from that game. But well done to Scotland. But uh, look, they are in for it this coming weekend, right? Uh, they, they're going to have to fight really hard against the All Blacks. Yeah, so we can just hope that they were warming up against the Fijians because like you say, they've got their hands full. And then Italy's pulling off quite a surprising 49-17 win over Samoa. I actually thought Samoa was going to take that one and predicted that on Super Brew, so that hurt a bit. Yeah, I think uh, especially after the what is it the mid-year tournament, the Pacific Nations Cup or whatever the, the tournament was, uh, Samoa did fairly well. And um, so I expected a bit bit more of a fight from them. Uh, but the Italians stepped up. So, you know, maybe it's just because, uh, I don't know, maybe traveling north to Italy to play. I mean, I don't know. But the Italians, I think the Italians put their foot down, stepped up, and it was very impressive to see. I didn't watch the game, though. I mean, it was just almost too much rugby to watch to watch all of them. Yeah, it was it was a lot of rugby, like you say. But Italy, I think Pablo Garbisi is proving really, really solid at fly half. He's putting in some good performances for Italy. And yeah, ultimately, they came out strong and punished Samoa badly. 
and yeah, ultimately Italy, Italy pulling it off good. And then quite a big victory, hey? All Blacks 55, Wales 23. Quite close at half time. I thought Wales performed very well. And then the second half, the All Blacks sort of ran away with it. I think my question was at 60 minutes, were we going to see the All Blacks of old or, or you know, the latest string of subpar all black performances and you know i said i said to one of our friends that oh you know the all blacks just aren't going to step up anymore they aren't they don't they aren't that ruthless in the last 20 like they used to be but they were they strangled wales you know wales just seemed a little flat right so they couldn't just get they couldn't get off um but then the all blacks just ran right in the last 20 minutes so that's really an all black performance that we've been used to over the last 15 years right well, is that really true, Ronnie, or did Wales, like you say, just go flat? Was it the All Blacks really turning on that killer instinct or just managing to hold out when the Welsh sort of backed off from the challenge? I think, I think I'm think i very biased, though, and biased in two ways. So it's I'm torn, You're right? So that's, probably a, that's, a, that's probably a better way of putting it. So I'm a little bit torn, right? Because the All Blacks have been so dominant over the years, it's nice for me to see them lose. Uh, but I do, the, you know, the All Blacks are like my second team, right? So after the Springboks, I really like to support the All Blacks uh, because I just see them as this great team, this great team that's been there for the last 15, 20 years, so dominant in world rugby. I think that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that actually they were just ruthless in the last 20. They just seemed to click. And I think maybe it's because Richie Mungo was playing 10, Bowden at 15, and his brother Jordi at centre. Maybe that's just a good combination. Yeah, so I actually spoke to Max a bit, and he's very frustrated that they put Jordi at 12. He says that Jordi's the big decision maker in the All Blacks team and the player that's in the best form at fullback. And he was quite angry that they'd moved him to 12. So I'm going to take his word for it. Jordy is a very talented player, but maybe to accommodate, like Ronnie's opinion, you can put uh, Bowden then at fullback and still have Jordy. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I am a firm believer of having Richie Munga at 10, right? He's just a better, more structured fly-off than Bowden is. And if you're going to play Richie at 10, the question is, where do you play Bowden? Do you put him on the bench or do you put him at 15? And if you play him at 15, what do you do with Jordy then? You know, so it's it's this domino effect of got to start with a structured flower and then build your backline around him. So, yeah, maybe maybe Jordy isn't a, a center, but maybe it's not a, the worst option to play him there, considering you still have uh, Bowden and Richie on the field at the same time. Yeah, three playmakers like that it, it seems to benefit them against Wales, but. You know, I still feel like that all-black centre pairing is is not settled in the way it used to be and traditionally was. And then, you know, Tonga racking up a massive victory over Spain, 40 points to six. I, didn't I don't know what I was thinking. One. So I, I called that one completely wrong. I was convinced, you know, Spain would do something uh, about it and Spain would come away with a W, but they didn't. So Tonga... Did you really think Spain was going to win that? Yeah, I don't really know what I was thinking. And I, I, the moment the game kicked off, I thought, what the bloody hell have I done here? And yeah, so I, I don't know. I think um saw a couple of South African names or players with some South African heritage in that Spanish team. So I thought, oh, maybe it's it's what I need to back. But look, Tonga, well, bloody done to you, actually. That was a dominant performance. Yeah, that was a dominant one from them. And then quite a, a late one on Saturday night for us here. You know, it kicked off at 10 p.m. France beating Australia 30 points to 29. That was a big game. You were convinced that they were going to put like 30 points on Australia. I think my prediction was France by 38. So I really... France by 38. So you 
Look, Australia, Australia is a bit of an interesting one, right? We, let's just talk about that. Are they are they contenders for the World Cup next year? No, I agree with you there. Not quite, but they they're almost there. And the thing is, they've always, almost they've almost been there for the last twenty years now. You know, they they're they're a good strong team, and they can string together a very strong and dominant game, a couple of performances here and there. But there just seems to be something lacking in that Australian team. Look, maybe it's no Matt Gitto or you know. Yeah, Stephen Moore, some of those traditionally old uh, legends that they had. Look, I also think you have to take this performance in in a full view because France haven't played together for seven months. Their team last played in the Six Nations. They sent a squad to Japan, and the only player that toured in Japan that played against Australia was Damien Penault on the wing. So it really was seven months. They rested them. They they gave the wider squad game time in Japan, and this was their first game back. I definitely think. They had some teething problems. I think DuPont was a little uncharacteristically rusty, flustered and rusty. Yeah. So I think they'll they'll definitely be making a heavy, heavy improvement in the coming week ahead of us facing them. And I think Antoine DuPont, you know, everyone says he had a bit of an off game, but if you look at his stats, he made 13 carries as the nine with five gain line successes, four offloads. He made five tackles and he won a turnover. And I don't know if you saw that turnover he got. It was a kick into the Aussie 22. He made the tackle. He counter-rucked, got the ball back, and France scored. It was unbelievable from that man. What a a one-man army. Yeah, exactly. Look, well, well done to France, right, for winning that one. I am just a little bit nervous about us facing them. In the, in, in the World Cup and the quarterfinals. Because let's think about it now. So it's, it's us and Ireland in the pool versus uh, New Zealand and and France in, in pool A. If if Scotland doesn't come and upset the, the apple cart there, we're most likely going to go on and what? Are we going to beat Ireland or are we going to lose to Ireland? Which means we either play France or New Zealand. Now, everybody's spoken about this. We all know this is going to happen. I don't know who I want to face because I am nervous for France. I wasn't so nervous for Ireland. But I was a lot more nervous for France. Yeah, I was a lot more nervous for France. But you know what France did right this weekend? They had a kicker in their team and Jaminet slotted six from six to hand in the victory. So, you know, he's not even into Mike the Flower who can also kick. But I think we'll get onto that when we chat about the Springbok game. A stunning game for me this weekend was Argentina's 30-29 over England. Game of the weekend. Game of the weekend. I'm actually really starting to love this Argentine team. I love Crema at captain. I think he's an astounding figure for them or an outstanding figure for them on the field. Lavanini always makes me laugh. I'm waiting for him to get a card. But there's really some some stalwarts in the team. And I mean, Buffelli, what a player as well. So well done to Argentina, getting the win over England. Do you think it's Michael Checker, Michael Checker's influence there over those Argentines? Oh, it must be. I mean, this year now they've beaten England at Twickenham and New Zealand in New Zealand. It's an unbelievable achievement for a team like that. Yeah, they just couldn't beat the, the, the mighty Springboks. No, that's also true. And then, Ronnie, what do you make of Eddie Jones's comments? So he said after the loss, you know, he doesn't want to show his hand this far out from the World Cup so the teams can figure them out. I think that's a bit of no, smoke okay, and no, but it's it's the truth, right? Rossi said the same thing as well at, at at some point before the 2019 World Cup. You know, you don't want to show everything you've got. You you're trying to hold things close to your cards close to your chest, and then you bring things out like the move, 
or the, the 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 famous move from the Springboks. You know, those are the sorts of things that you say for clutch moments in the, in a World Cup final or in a semi final. So look, you don't want to show Eddie Jones knows that the world is watching them because they are a, they are one of the contenders, right? Let's we've got to be serious. They are a contender for the World Cup. And people are going to be watching them, so you can't show everything on the first first round of the autumn autumn series nations cup autumn nations series. So you look, you know, look, you can't you can't show everything that you have, in. but it's it is a bit of a cop out, right? So you should still be able to do the basics well enough to be able to win a test match. No, I hundred percent agree. I think Eddie Eddie likes to rile up the media a little bit as well. And then the Ronnie, media hates him, though. I mean, or not the media, the local public do not like Eddie Jones. They're all banging for his head. They're saying you should never have been the coach after the 2019 World Cup. Yeah, well, they so, make a point. They want Sean Edwards coaching, and he's in charge of the French attack. So, you know, that's who they want in that seat at the moment. And then they're Ronnie, ending off the weekend with Georgia Uruguay, right? So, Georgia, uh, that was quite a good game to watch, really. Yeah, I think Georgia, we spoke about them building. You actually weren't sure when we spoke last weekend where to call. And then Georgia beat Italy this year. So Georgia really making a case for inclusion in the Six Nations and getting a nice solid victory over Uruguay, who has in fact qualified for the World Cup. Oh, look, absolutely. So well done to Georgia. Soft spot in my, in my heart, especially after uh, Mamuka Kukudza. You know, he's one of my favorite Georgians that have ever, or, uh, you know, that have ever come out of that team or... You know, one of my favorite international rugby players of all time. I think that's really because he won the man of the match against that game against the All Blacks. So, Yo, what soft a, spot what for him and, uh, and obviously his team. So, the Georgians, well done to them. Yeah, well done, Georgia. That was a lacquer one. And then, Ronnie, I think the reason we're all here is to chat about the Springboks. So, I think there's a lot to be said about this fixture against Ireland. I think we've got a couple of talking points written down here, but some things really need to be spoken about more than others. So the ref is going to feature a lot, obviously. I think there's quite a, a number of things. I must start off by saying I thought he was quite lenient on Ches and Colby. I thought Colby was going to get a red card. So the only reason that you're saying game. that, yeah, so you're giving him the plus one so that you can give him a bunch of negatives after that. Quite correct. Now, I, I see you. And and look, I, I do agree. You know, Ches rotated him, I suppose, together with Peter Steftatoy past the, past the horizontal, past the 90. I think it's just kind of lucky that it wasn't so forceful that was a mitigating factor i think chesen was lucky to get away there with the with the yellow because the red really would have spoiled the game for us or the match with that said rassi rassi uh spoke between the lines and made a couple of good points uh, on twitter on social media between the lines right yeah, rassi and his his little videos and cryptic messages the first half I felt like the ref was not such a problem. You know, there was a couple of iffy things here and there, but nothing nothing too much in it. The second half, the ref comes on, and it's just a nightmare. I Within mean, there the were first five, 10 minutes back. Five bad calls in the first four minutes. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. absolutely shocking. And I'm sorry, I don't understand those scrums penalties that we got. It was either a reset or a penalty in our favor. And then... Because the Irish packs under pressure and buckling, 
we're now getting penalized. That makes no sense to me. It was clear to me that they were buckling right under the pressure. And for me, a reset scrum is the obvious choice. When it's when it's not an obvious penalty, when a prop hasn't obviously lost its binding, it should be a reset scrum, right? Exactly. And at the very least. It can't just be a penalizable offense like that. And you're absolutely right. The first five minutes, are, it's even less than five minutes uh, coming back after the half. It was just against us against us against us against us and that was a fair that was a big change in momentum because you you come out on the field the start of the second half you've got this momentum you've had Rossi and shark shouting at you in the sheds you're fired up and ready, ready to go and then you've got somebody that takes the wind out of your sails like that so we must we, we can't just blame the ref for that loss there were 10 different things that we could have done better uh that would have negated the effect of of the referee on that game no, for sure. But I think it's also important to mention this is arguably the biggest fixture of the November internationals is Springboks versus Ireland. Sold out in minutes. How does a ref that's not one of the top 10 ranked refs in the world get a fixture like that? It doesn't make sense. That that just simply doesn't make sense. And World Rugby needs to look at how these games are allocated. But I mean, talking about the Springboks and their game now, because they did a lot of silly things in this game too. We were sitting here 20 minutes in Ireland made 46 tackles. We'd made nine. We had them under pressure. We were good. Getting through the phase play, we were building pressure, but we weren't getting any points. No, I, I, I'm with you there. It, it, for me, it was quite astonishing that we, we applied so much pressure at different phases and different stages in the game, but it was just like our momentum wasn't quite there. We weren't carrying through that pressure throughout the game or for large, longer periods, periods of the game. We said it, I mean, how many injuries or how many of their players went down in the first half? They had four substitutions in the first half or something like that after 30 minutes. Yeah, they and, were getting dominant. That was testament. They were getting dominant. We were being incredibly physical and we just couldn't, we couldn't pull it off. We couldn't carry it through into the second half. I mean, could could we say that that was the ref's fault? Could we say that it's our own fault, not, not getting the points, not kicking for posts better and getting the points in the players, I don't know, dipping their heads of confidence? So you mentioned the kicking there. I mean, we started with Damien at kicking. Damien gets a 50-50 record for the evening. Then we go on to Cheslin. Cheslin gets a 33% record. We got two from five kicks in this game. But I think that stat is misleading. And people are saying on social media, you know, oh, but we didn't miss that many kicks. What they're failing to look at is the fact that we stopped kicking for posts and tried to go for touch. And then we were missing touch as well. So you've got to consider to, how that ch- that caused a change in the tactic. To me, there was no tactics. There wasn't a proper strategy that we stuck by. We were 40 meters out. We awarded a penalty. We went for post and we missed it. About five minutes later or three minutes later, we were awarded another penalty and we were even closer to the posts. And we should have gone for we should have gone for post there. It would have been an easier kick. We just tried to go for the post a couple of minutes ago. And a little bit more of a difficult kick, but it's there we go for touch. So to me, there was this indecision, right? There was this, we can't really back our kicker. We should have backed him for the easier penalty kicks than we did for, you know, 40 meters out. So for me, there was just a lot of indecision, a lot of, a lot of opinions. And there was maybe that, maybe that's where Sia perhaps needed to step in and say, right, I'm the captain here. We're backing our kicker. We're backing him for the easier kicks rather than the more difficult ones. And for the more difficult ones, we'll probably go for for the lineup. For me, there was just uh, in a in a very short amount of time. There was we went for posts for a, a a moderately difficult kick. We missed it. A few minutes later, we were even closer, so it was an easier kick for posts. But we went for the lineup. There was just this indecision, this uncertainty in terms of what tactic we were uh, de- uh, deploying at that stage. We needed a better yeah. captain, maybe. 
You know, there's three things I identified that show me that the spine of this box team was completely broken on Saturday. And I want you to hear them and then tell me if you agree, Ronnie. The Springboks, you, and this is just a preamble, the Springboks have a plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, you do plan A, but better. Okay, we've said that on this podcast before. So the Springboks are a team that use their forwards to bully people and then generate penalties from scrums, malls, and so on. What is the point of generating penalties if you cannot convert them into points? Point one, we didn't select a kicker. Point two, the driving mall. Our driving mall was stopped by Ireland every time. It had absolutely no momentum in its favor. The Irish had our number. They got into the air and contested on their own five meter instead of setting up for the mall. That shows the confidence the Irish had in that game. Okay. And then the most shocking stat for me. The Springboks were the best defensive team in 2019. Do you know how many tackles we missed this weekend? 20, 25? 28 tackles. 28 hmm. tackles we missed this weekend. I think from based on what you've said right now, no, I, I, we need an 80% kicker, right? We're a year out from the World Cup, less than a year out from the World Cup, and we need an 80% kicker. We don't have that. Are we relying on Andre Pollard being fit and ready and coming back and being an 80% kicker like he was in 2019? Oh, is that is that our plan? And if he doesn't kick for us, if his injuries don't go away, if he continues to be injury prone, what's our backup plan? Are we going to stick with Damien Willemser? I think we'll talk about the selection, uh, I suppose, in a bit, but we absolutely need an 80% kicker because we've spe- we've said this many times. If we're going to play 10-man rugby a spring box, dominant eight plus uh, a good ha- halfback pairing, right, 10 men, then we need all 10 to be firing and at the top of their game. We can't play 10-man rugby with nine players. No, that's exactly so That would be nine-man rugby. It's, it's a difficult one because our whole traditional game plan went away without selecting a kicker and it made no sense. And now you say, you know, Pollard, what if he's not at the World Cup? We literally have no backup for that situation. We have to phone Mornay Stain. Yeah, 100% they're going to have to phone Mornay Stain. And, 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 and I'm not trying, to, not trying to be insulting towards uh, Marnie Libok here, right? Mornay Stain is really, for me, the front runner for who needs to play, take 10 if Polly can't if Polly can't come back and Damien Willemsa can't learn to kick. And it's not an insult to Moni Lebok because I think Moni Lebok has actually been hard done by here. Moni Lebok should have been in the mix earlier in this year. Hundred. You know, he should have. He should have already had a cap to his name and a, and a couple of minutes on the field already. He should already have been in that mix for long enough to be uh, uh, established. Uh, you know, a ten that an established ten, right? And we don't have it. We, he's not an established ten right now. We're gonna we're gonna bring him off the bench now. We'll talk about the very strange team selection that we have in in a bit. But he's gonna get some game time this coming weekend. But it's I, I, I fear that it's a little too late. Yeah, I also think so. I mean, we've spoken about this before. How badly we wanted him to play earlier in the year, and that opportunity wasn't given to him. But something else that I picked up on the Springbok uh, game this weekend, which is also in contradiction to how we've normally played, was our defensive tactics. So, I mean, you'll notice in that game, probably the best game Jesse Creel's played in a Springbok jersey, actually. Unbelievable, right? Well, we made some big hits, some big wild-timed hits. But if you re-watch the game, you'll see those big hits and momentum-stopping tackles come after we've ensured Ireland have slow ball. It allows our defense to set and our rush to hit up and cut off that passing option. But as soon as we give Ireland that quick ball, it's absolute chaos. That rush doesn't work. They get around the rush defender and then Ireland have made a break and made 
15, 20 meters. So if we're not generating that slow ball at ruck time, we need to adapt our defensive pattern better because, I mean, you saw it in the 2019 World Cup, how the guys were going and pulling and making that ruck very, very messy, you know, slowing the ball down constantly and then driving the, the attacking teams into the middle where the Malcolms and stuff would steal the ball. And we're just not getting that right at the moment either. Look, it is the first game of the automation series, right? There are some experiments underway. And should we give them the benefit of the doubt? We'll see how uh, this weekend's performance stacks up. And uh, I think we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about in the next podcast, right? Based on whether whether it was just a bit, bit of teething issues or whether the guys just went properly warmed up for this Irish uh, test. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see for the next one. But we don't have to wait that long for rugby. There's an SAA fixture this week against Munster. Funny enough, South Africa is the only international side that Munster have played and never beaten. So we need to keep that record alive. Quick run through of the starting team, and then we can pick and choose who we want to chat about. Thomas Detoy is captaining them from Tighthead. Ntukum Chuno and Joseph Tue, the starting in that front row. Jason Jenkins, Ruan Nokia at lock. Pepsi Butelezi, Ulrich Lowe and Jean-Luc Dupre in the loose trio. Herschel Jankis and Johan Gursen. Then Lionel Zass, Cornel Hendricks, Henku van Veik, Suleiman Hartzenberg and Apalele Fassi. That's quite an exciting starting 15, hey, Ronnie? No even Riss, though. No even And I think he's, he's unlucky, though, right? So he was obviously called up from the, from the benches to come and train with the Springbok team and then didn't make that selection. So I think they, they thought Jasper Visa would be out with concussion, but he made it through the protocols and Evan was kept out of this game in anticipation of playing a role against France. So very Well, in anticipation of playing a role, he's losing out on an opportunity to have a great uh, SAA opportunity. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it's gone. Maybe I shouldn't be, let's not be negative, right? So, look, it is a very strong, it's a very, very strong. There's a lot of spring box in that uh, SAA 14, team, right? 14 14, 14 capped. Yeah, 14 capped. I think, I think some of them are just, you know, they've only got a couple, a handful of, of, of caps anyways. But, you know, it's, it's power, right? Yeah, I mean, you've got World Cup winners there and Thomas the Tank. You've got uh, Herschel Yankees. Uh, Johan Kursen at 10, I'm interested to see how he did. Very excited for Henku van Veik to be jamming at 13. I think that's quite an exciting one. Plus, he had fullback opportunity for him to prove his credentials a little bit. Um, but this is going to be a good game. And it's kicking off at 9.30 on Thursday night. So I think we'll probably be having a, a beer and watching that, hey, Ronald? Bit of a late 9.30. Yeah, well, maybe I'll call in sick on Friday. And then, guys, this is a, a good time to mention that this episode's brought to you in conjunction with Magnesium Cafe. Magnesium is so crucial to every rugby supporter. It really can help in so many ways. Things like pressure. When your team lose one they should have won, it can help you get over the loss and want to carry on with that plan, Brian, on a Saturday. It can help with your blood pressure so when you so that you can handle those clutch moments in the final minutes of a test or when Ches and Colby is stepping Owen or whether you're waiting for France to snap a monster drop goal. Or the ref is Nico Amashakeli. It even helps with migraines for those times when you're stuck at a bri with a few too many bull supporters who are still living in 2009. Yeah, so please check out the Magnesium Cafe and grab any of the incredible products with a 15% discount by using the code PUNTED15 at checkout. Please help us by supporting and get all the, health all the great health benefits that come along with the Magnesium. Don't forget it's an informed sports certified product, keeping your supplements clean and healthy whilst giving you that extra boost your body needs. 
So with all we've had to say about the Bok game against Ireland, they have now named their team to take on France. I think we, we knew some changes were coming, but let's have a look at that team. It seems like we've reverted to the old bomb squad. So Ox and Chair will be starting at loose head. Bongi promoted to the starting lineup at two and Franz Malhoba retained at three. What are your thoughts on the front row, Ronnie? Yeah, not a problem with the front row. I mean, this is one of those one of those shining lights in the Springbok team or the Springbok squad is that week in, week out, we put a powerful front row on the field. Uh, you actually never see anywhere in the media when the team talks anything, them talking about depth issues or form struggles in the front row. It's just a conveyor belt of talent that we have there at the moment. So I'm happy with that. Eben Etzebeth at lock with Franku Morstedt. Lurt is now injured, unfortunately, sustained a shoulder injury. So Franku promoted to the starting lineup. Again, I don't think much you can say there, hey? No, I'm a big fan of Franku Morstedt for sure. So I'm very excited with that. And once again, you know, I don't have a problem with our lock pairings. And, and I don't think we ever have an issue in the media with, with our lock pairings ever. I'm quite eager to see Etzebeth go toe-to-toe with uh, Cameron Wokey and Paul Willemser this weekend. That should be quite a cracker to see. And then, you know, we look at the loose forwards. There was some doubt over Jasper Wies' availability, but he has passed the, the concussion tests and passed through the protocols. So an unchanged loose trio for this one. Again, very far, very happy with, with the loose trio. I know a lot of people say that Peter Steptoy isn't quite performing at seven. But look, you know, I'm happy with the loose trio. What I am a little bit just disappointed for is Evan Ruiz, right? So we spoke about him earlier, being promoted to the Springboard squad for training because a little bit of a question mark next to Jasper Fisa. And I think he's missing out though because he's not getting this game time, although he did practice with the Springboks. He's missing out on the SAA. But, you know, look, as it stands, six, seven, eight, I'm happy with. And then Ronnie, uh, Fafterklerk promoted to nine. Jaden actually completely dropping out of the squad. Do you think that's just a rotation measure or did Jaden really have that poor of a performance against Ireland? No, definitely rotation, right? So we spoke about the fact that we've got like 400 uh, scrum offs in the squad. Um, so we're just using using the next one's uh, leg of conveyor belt, as you said, run through. Putting Fafterklerk there, I think Kubis Ryan and finding his opportunity on the bench. Again, I'm not concerned for those positions. Yeah, I think Faf has a, had a couple of form struggles this year, but I'm sure he's going to have a good performance. And I actually think his physicality around the fringes is going to be very, very important against France. Please remind me to talk about that later on, Ronnie. And then, you know, people will say they're surprised that Damien's been retained at 10. But Damien, the bar coach has said before this tour, is now a fly half in their eyes. They were never going to change him despite the kicking issues. And Damien there wears the 10 jersey this weekend. So do you think he's been uh, working hard on his kicking? Uh, I think he has this, but this, this week. Kicking aside, I still don't think he's a 10. Damien's not the the guy that you put there to to spot the space. Damien's the guy you put in the space. You know, it's I feel like his talents are wasted at 10. I don't mind him at 10. I quite I find him to be quite akin to to um to Quade Cooper. And I've always been a bit of a fan of Quade Cooper, probably in his later years, not so much in the beginning. Uh, but I quite enjoy Damien Williams there at, as, as a 10, right? So I find him to, to buy us an extra couple of seconds on the ball, although the trade-off is that the uh, defensive line comes up and, and meets you a little bit a little bit easier for, for the defensive team. But uh, I'm fine with Damien Williams at 10, but he needs to kick better. Simple. He's, he's going to and, 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 and I do think, you know, what we... What we <laughs> We lose out to the, on having Damien Phillips as a, as a utility back on the bench, right, to to give us that 6-2 uh, 
uh, a proper 6-2 split on the bench with someone like Damien Phillips so that can cover a lot of positions, right? So we might, in my opinion, gain something by playing him at 10, but we lose uh, his his utility value, the, the utility component of his of his play, play style. And then centres, we've retained Damien Dialende. I thought he had quite a, a solid showing against the Irish. And Jesse Creel, best game I think he's played in a box jersey. So can't complain about that this weekend. I agree. Look, Damien, Damien Dialende, we know what we have in him. I'm just a little bit concerned that we're overplaying him. I'd hate for him to go down, right? Let me touch wood quickly. Damien, the, uh, Jesse Creel, rewarding form, right? So I don't know if we can call it form, but he had a great game last weekend. So you know what? For the intents and purposes, keep him at 13 if he's going to put up another performance like he did last weekend. You know, and then a bit of an interesting makeup now for the back three. So Cheslin shifted to the wing. I'm quite happy about that. I don't think the experiment of him at fullback worked. Valilaru definitely had a, a good influence on our attack when he came on. So glad to see Vili starting there. But interesting for me, Mapimpi has been dropped in favor of Kurtley Orenson on the left wing. See, this is this is where I've got a bit of a this is where I've got a bit of a question mark with respect to this team selection. Makazola Mapimpi coming off the bench means he can only go into one position. He's an eleven, right? So he goes directly into eleven. We don't have any utility. There's no utility component to to Makazola Mapimpi, right? So I would. Rather have put Vili on the bench, Makazola starting, and, and and maybe stuck with Cheslin at fifteen. I know you said it didn't work for you, but that's one game, and there were some issues with respect to the whole team or the whole backline this past weekend. No, but if I would the even make it fires simplified even more. Why don't you put Kirtley Orenson on the bench? He offers that utility factor. Put Kirtley Orenson on the bench for sure. Absolutely, he can play wing and fullback, right? But it, for me, it's a little bit of a strange decision to put Makazuno MPMP unless unless uh, we 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 don't want to show all of our secrets unless we've got a bit of a plan with bringing the physicality of a big unit like MPMP on in the second half. Well, it's going to be interesting to see three players that can all play fullback now starting in our back three. Maybe we're expecting something from the French that we haven't quite caught on to yet. The bench, so Malcolm and Kitsoff have both shifted to the bench with Vincent Koch. Marvin Ori comes in for Franco Mostert, who's been elevated to the starting side. Kwaka Smith is there, Kurbas Reinach, Marnie Lubok, and Makazole Mapimpi. Now, Marnie Lubok... What a man, so chuffed he's on, on the bench, so chuffed he's getting his chance. I think it's well-deserved, and I'm quite eager to see that. Absolutely. Let's hope he gets some game time. Um, I'm also a big fan of Kubitz Reinach. I wish he got a little bit more game time over the years, but yeah, looks looks he's gonna he might just get a shot. Spoken about Makazola Mapimpi, Marvin Ori, good to see him on the bench. Uh, let's hope that he has a good good game when he comes off the bench because no doubt he'll be replacing what most likely Franco Mossad or maybe Franco moves on to uh, the flank for Peter Steph to toy or somebody like that. Quaker Smith, are we using him as a bit of a utility back or u- u- utility back rower, right? Because I would love to see that guy get a game to start. Yeah, Quaker has been a top performer for us this year off the bench. He's definitely deserving of a start. But I think Kurbus Reinach and Marnie Lubbock could form quite a dangerous halfback pairing. I think both of them bring good attacking flair to the game, some good pace to it. And I'm quite keen to see the two of them get unleashed together in the second half. I think that could be quite interesting. So do you think they have that in mind? Do you think when they bring the when they when they sub one of the halfbacks, they're gonna sub both of them? I do think so. I think Kurbus and Marnie would have been training together quite a bit, especially not having played last weekend. So I think that that could be advantageous for them. 
And then Damien Willemser come off the bench, or do you think Damien Willemser, if everything goes according to plan, do you think Damien Willemser will shift to 15 then? I think Willemser will likely shift to 15 or maybe even to 12 to give Damien a bit of a rest. We'll have to see what they do there. But now, the worst plan. just to talk about the game against France. So the selection of Faf de Klerk at nine, I think is quite an intelligent one. And I mentioned it because of his defensive capabilities. And it's because if you watch France and how they play, they like to stretch your forwards out. They like to, to create space for DuPont to run the ball around the fringes of the ruck. And DuPont is lethal. I read his stats earlier. Five line breaks. Those are all around the ruck. Putting Faf there really is going to put pressure on DuPont. And hopefully that's going to force some errors in his connection with Intermac that really can give the box a bit of an advantage. So I'm looking forward to that, that battle between those two nines. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to be quite a matchup, though. We just hope that Faf fires. Right? We, don't, we hope that Faf doesn't get a short circuit in the brain and do something stupid. Yeah, we've got to hope for that. And I think it's going to be a hell of a fixture. France definitely have the forward capabilities of fronting up to us. And if they do, I hope that our backs can, can pull us over the line because it's definitely going to be a difficult fixture this weekend. In my opinion, the true number one in the world versus world champions. Yeah, I think France, everyone thinks France is going to do well at the World Cup. And I think this game is going to be quite telling in the build-up to that. And actually, Galtier coming out and saying, if they can front up to the box physically and win this one, they know that they're ready to tackle the World Cup in France. So that's a hell of a statement of intent coming from the French camp this week. And then, Ronnie, it wouldn't be international rugby if there weren't more games than just the Springboks versus France this weekend. So while we go through the fixtures, why don't we just do our predictions at the same time? You know, we've got Tonga versus Chile. I'm going to back Tonga there, right? So a little bit of a domino performance against Spain. Uh, although Chile did play well uh, on the weekend against Romania, I still think uh, Tonga is going to take this one. So I'm going to say Tonga by score and a half. So Tonga by 12. I'm going to go Tonga by 26. Ireland, Ireland versus Fiji. Um, this one's going to go the way of the Irish. Um, Gibson Park, obviously, he's going to he's going to have to play because Conor Murray's out, and I just I enjoy the injection of energy when Gibson Park comes on. So he's going to be you know he's going to be relishing the fact that he can play against perceived weaker team like Fiji, and uh, I think this is going to go the way of the Irish by you know thirty points to the Irish. Yeah, I'm going to match you somewhere around like twenty eight points in favor of Ireland. Italy versus Australia. <laughs> I'm going to call Australia, but uh, I'm going to call Australia by 15. Yeah, I'm going to go Australia by 18. And then Georgia versus Samoa. So this will be a good game for a neutral to watch or any fans, uh, closet fans of the Georgians of the Lilos. But uh, I'm going to pick Georgia by 12. I'm going to go Georgia by 21. I think Georgia's going to Ooh. put Samoa to the, the sword there. Spain versus Namibia. Our brothers from next door. Uh, so, so we hope that our brothers from next door can pull this one off. It's going to be also another great game for a neutral to watch, right? So I'd say they're two evenly matched teams, but uh, I'm going to give this one to Namibia. Namibia by eight. I'm going Spain by nine. England versus Japan. So Japan's obviously a little bit deceptive, right? So you think that they're going to get run over and then they don't. And they've obviously got a couple of great performances over the years, great uh, results over the last couple of years. I mean, they took the All Blacks to within one score. England are hurting. I don't really know what to think yet. So I'm going to say England, England by 10. We're a little bit conservative. So England by 10. I'm going to make the bold prediction and go Japan by two. Wow. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wales versus Argentina. 
It's just, this is going to be a good matchup, but uh, I'm going to back with the Argentines by eight. Yeah, Argentina by 11. France versus South Africa, Ronnie. France by two. I'm going box by two, but more than that, Marnie Lobok's going to kick the winning penalty, putting it out there. And then on Sunday, uh, Romania versus Uruguay. I'm uh, going to go for Romania here, Romania by six. I'm also going to go for Romania, uh, Romania by nine. And Scotland versus New Zealand. Now, this is a hell of a fixture coming up. Max says Scotland can beat the All Blacks. What do you think? I think Scotland can beat the All Blacks, but it isn't going to happen this weekend. So I'm going to say New Zealand by 18. Yeah, I'm going to say New Zealand by 12. I think it's going to be a tight fixture. And then just the last prediction we forgot, what is going to happen in the SAA versus Munster game? I'm going us by 14. And South Africa by 18. Africa by 18. That's going to be a good one. And then, Ronnie, I think the match I'm most looking forward to this weekend is definitely us versus France. But after that, probably the Scotland-New Zealand fixture is my, my next big one on there. For me, the England-Japan one is exciting, especially, you know, you call Japan. And uh, I do agree with you. If there's going to be an upset, that's going to be an enjoyable one to see. Definitely. Well, Jamie Joseph, uh, another Aussie coach getting one over another Aussie coach. <laughs> oh, no, wait, he's, he's in Kiwi. That's my bad. Same thing, right? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> and then just some squad updates. Finn Russell's had a recall to the Scotland squad. Uh, Connor Murray is out um, for Ireland, having sustained a knee injury. Lurte is also out, having sustained a shoulder injury while he's still undergoing scans. We're not yet sure how serious that is. And Ronnie, do you have a two cents for us this week? I mean, we've largely spoken about what my two cents is, right? And that's just asking and, and begging for consistency by referees right so i've said this before i don't mind when referees are when one referee is inconsistent to another referee i just my my gripe is when a single referee can be so inconsistent within a single game we saw that on the weekend and and world rugby absolutely needs to do something about it so rusty you know he made this little read between the lines uh, posting on twitter on the weekend uh, but I think what he's doing there, and it is serving a purpose, is he's drawing it. World Rugby's attention to to what we as fans don't want. We don't want these controversial decisions of very obvious wrong calls. So, you know, somehow World Rugby needs to reinvent this. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Are they going to introduce a second referee for set plays? You know, we spoke about potentially or the, this, this technology of having a, a tracker on the board for forward passes and the likes. But we do need some sort of VAR or some technologically assisted tools made available to to our referees because it's it's not working. It's souring what's supposed to be a very enjoyable sport. Yeah, it's definitely having a negative influence on it. Maybe the TMO needs to give be given a bigger role in crucial decisions like that. But also those Irish guys there, hey, they did not show that replay on the big screen. They made sure that the ref had no sight of that forward pass for the the Mac Hansen try. Um, so well done to their uh, broadcasting team. Yeah, super sport. You need to improve, guys. <laughs> and then just a little bit of stat today. I'm going to give you some of the stats from the Irish Bok game this weekend. So obviously the score was 19-16 in favor of Ireland, each team scoring two tries. And funny enough, possession 50-50. So very, very close. Box having the territory, 60% to 40%. But we conceded 14 turnovers in that game which is also shocking. Ireland only conceding 11. We gave away 12 penalties to the Irish 10. Ireland winning 12 of their 13 lineouts, uh, us winning eight of our nine. 
and not neither side losing a scrum. Ireland won seven from seven. We run six from six. So despite the penalties, it was all on our own balls. Hopefully we can improve on that this weekend and turn that territory that we had against Ireland into points against France. Absolutely. That's all we can hope for. Lucky everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please, please remember to give us a review on your preferred listening platform, guys. Drop us uh, some comments, some shares, send us on to your friends. And we'll check you back here next week, hopefully celebrating a victory over the French. Mm-hmm.